Hey, when does the show start? Hey, wait a minute. <gasps> First, let's hear from our sponsors. Oh, okay. In just a minute. New year, new problems, possibly, unless you got Mad Dog Manny Aurora, the man, the myth, the legend. Aurora Law Firm, specializing in criminal law, pops by the BS twice a month if you have any questions for him. You can always leave it either on our social media. You can shoot us an email by going to our website, podcastthebs.com, or you can call our hotline and leave it there, 404-369-3825. Even possibly set up a one-on-one with you and Mad Dog Manny on the show. He's handled litigation in 19 states, represented many clients, including professional athletes, law enforcement agents, lawyers, and politicians, top 100 national trial lawyers he is the man mad dog manny aurora the aurora law firm.com the aurora law firm.com the a-r-o-r-a law firm.com did you know in 2022 19.86 percent of adults experienced a mental illness issue it's equivalent to nearly 50 million americans just under five percent are experiencing a severe mental illness So what does that tell you? That means maybe you, possibly your friends, maybe your family need some help. Sometimes it's hard to turn to the person right next to you and you need to find that neutral third party. Ridgeline Counseling, Dr. David Markwell and his therapist, they've been uh, with the BS for quite some time, a personal friend and the best at what he does. Markwell Therapy com works with children, adolescents, adults. They offer Spanish-speaking counseling services. They accept insurance, offer self-pay options. Three Georgia locations, East Cobb, Marietta, right near the square, and McKaysville, outside of Blue Ridge. But you can always get to them virtually. MarkwellTherapy.com. If you or someone you know needs help, just reach out. MarkwellTherapy.com. We all got to have insurance, right? Or even possibly change insurance, which a lot of people don't know it's a thing and usually saves you a lot of cash. Sean Camp at Country Financial, he's the man. Looking for a new car, you're going to need insurance. You want to get a hold of Sean Camp. A new boat, a new motorcycle, buying a house, all these different things. Sean Camp at Country Financial is going to help you uh, with and walk you through. I wish that my mother would have talked to Sean Camp at Country Financial. She would have had comprehensive, and I wouldn't have had to bought her new windshield. All right, how do you get a hold of Sean? 678-519-9028. 678-519-9028. Make sure you say the BS sent you, right? Get a little extra special rubdown. Sean.camp at countryfinancial.com. You can shoot him an email. S-H-A-U-N dot C-A-M-P at countryfinancial.com. The camp agency at Country Financial, it's your one-stop shop for all your insurable needs. It's time, ladies and gentlemen. After all these years in the radio business, Jason Bailey is finally unfiltered. I don't know what you want. With his bestest buddy and producer, all the way from Mexico, it's Nate, dude. Sit back, enjoy. Here is the podcast that is all about intellectually immature nonsense. Are a very particular set of skills. You will love it. Why? Because I'm Jason's neighbor. I'm old man Kevin. (laughs) And by God, this is the BS. All right, here it is, episode 142 of the BS. Thanks for being here. My name is Jason Bailey in the Golden Scissors studio. There in Mexico, somewhere in Mexico, 
He's the Nader Tater Vader Masturbator. Hola. Hola. Como estas? How y'all doing? Back Maybe. from the Super Bowl. Missed a few shows. I'm sure that'll have something to do with your Mexico moment. Uh, Brandon will join us here shortly, I believe. Updating. He has to pay his power bill first. <laughs> and it's double <laughs> wide. He's got to feed the squirrels to keep the, the, the hamster wheel rolling. Uh, but with me in the Golden Scissor Studio, she's smart, salacious, vivacious. She's the D, Nikki D. Hello. That is me. Good morning. Where are you at, Nate? Mexico City? Uh, yeah, Mexico City. Yeah. Have you guys been there before? Yeah, we were here last year um, for my birthday, actually. Oh. Uh, we were doing, oh, yeah, we did the hot air balloon thing over the the Teotihuacan pyramid. It just friend to friend, dude, I'd stay out of any balloons in the sky. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just would probably avoid any, you know, the, the air balloon business must be really pissed off right now going, really, guys? <laughs> Nobody wants to ride in our balloons. <laughs> There's a Snoopy spy plane or spy balloon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd probably not do that this year. Just, just because, just, you know, the climate, the, the, the world we live in now, it's, it's, it's a thing to shoot them down yeah <laughs> uh all right um well I'll wait for brandon to get on i was gonna start out the uh episode with uh beating him up a little bit and guys kids trying to sell his business but he doesn't respond to emails and so people reach out to me because i've got time to be his secretary and help <laughs> him sell his business so anyway i'll hold that um all right so this week um, i'm i'm taking the road trip right mm. Yeah, so I'm road trip. Rach and I are road tripping across country, uh, and and this is something that's been on my bucket list for a very very long time. You guys have known that, right? I know. You've, you've said it a while. Remember, remember, we were at the radio station. And we still had jobs, and I had posted one day the the Google Maps of the road trip, and I said, "The day I get fired, uh, the next day I'm going on this road trip." <laughs> it did not go over well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That was funny, you know. It was a little ha ha he 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 funny funny, but I was I was actually very serious. I've been the the the. It's not only the trip cross country, and I know I'm going to regret it about a quarter of a way through. I know it. I just know it. You yeah, because you're driving the whole way. I know. Shoot. It's like 42 hours. It's crazy. Out. But we're going to Vegas, and you know, gambling aside, but just the city of Vegas. If you've been, you know what I'm talking about. There's very few places that exist that have the same energy that Vegas has. Even if you're not a gambler. Now, you know this. You're not a gambler. You've been to Vegas. Just the energy walking up and down. Pick your strip. Old strip, new strip, what new, new strip. Whatever you want to do, there's just a certain energy that the city of Las Vegas uh, has. Yeah. Well, it, it's like... Um it's not like dirty, but it feels like you're somewhere you shouldn't be, you know, because gambling is kind of like taboo or whatever. So you feel like you're in this, you know, adult place you're not supposed to be in or something. And it's the best people watching ever, you know. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, I think it was the the trip that we, yeah, actually, I believe it was, was the trip that you and I went on uh, with a couple other people. And you had stayed behind with that strange man at Planet Hollywood to drink his vodka bottle. Oh and, yeah, and and I I went back to the hotel, and as I w- it's weird because you think Vegas, you know, you're like twenty four seven. There's people everywhere all the time. Well, that's that's what not I imagine. That's not true. Friday, Saturday, maybe, but during the week, it kind of shuts down like two o'clock in the morning. It's just like yeah. any other city. It, it's you're walking up and down the strip, and it's a ghost town. So I was walking 
uh, back to the hotel from Planet Hollywood. And I think we're staying at Harrah's or something. And I'm walking back, and there's nobody on the streets. And this really attractive African-American girl approaches me. <laughs> right out. Like, I, I, like, I didn't, like she just kind of blindsided me. She was a prostitute, wasn't she? Well, can you let me get to the freaking punchline <laughs> of the story? Don't ever do that. Don't, I mean, of course she's a prostitute. I'm in Vegas. I mean, what else? But, but for the audience, they don't know that until you open your big pie hole. Shush. I was guessing. So, wow. What, you really went out on a limb there, Nikki D. You're such an investigative reporter. Anyway, so I'm walking back, and she approaches me. And, uh, you know, and I, I knew she, I knew what she did. It was kind of obvious. So, but she was very nice, and I was curious. I, mean, I wasn't going to do it. I think I, I was in a relationship at the time anyway. But I wasn't going to do it. But I was just curious. So I started talking to her. Nothing else to do. And then I find out she's a, uh, a transvestite. So, a what? She's transvestite. A transsexual? Transvestite. A tr- I thought a transvestite is somebody who's born with both parts. No, that's a, um, uh, not a carnivore, but that's, uh, um, what, what is the name for those people? It's not a transvestite, is it? You're on mute, Nate. You're on, is? You're- <laughs> Herbivore? Oh, <laughs> what do we call that dude? Transvestite, Tim Tim Transvestite, or what is the dude's name? Yeah, yeah, Tim Vestite. Yeah, Tim Transvestite, Vestite. somebody that d- d- dresses other clothes. A um, uh, what is it called? Uh, hermaphrodite. Hermaphrodite. Is born, yes, hermaphrodite oh, okay, is the word okay, you're yeah. looking for. So it was it was a dude. That's a transsexual. That's the new term for you kids, <laughs> but transvestite is the term. She says a transvestite is a person who dresses in clothes associated with the opposite sex, not body parts. Right. It was a dude dressed as a woman. That's a trans. Did, did, it's a did transvestite. he have boobs? Huh? Well, I don't know if they're real or not. Oh. That's a transvestite. It's a definition you just read. Yeah, but you they're, don't know if it was a you transvestite just the, or a transsexual. You just don't know the word, so you're trying to find a way to make no! whatever your word work. That's what you're doing right now. <laughs> no, it's okay not. not to know. Just say you don't know. You didn't know the word, transvestite. Maybe I guess that's old school for the new generation of woke. But it's uh, it's been around for a minute, and that's what this... Uh, lady woman was person person was very attractive <laughs> nonetheless and i respectfully declined i'm they were uh they were very they were honest you know after talking for a couple minutes which i appreciate and because you know, nobody wants that surprise um so i said no thank you i wish you nothing but the best luck please be safe uh, I'm going to respectfully decline. I'm going to go back to my room. Are you sure you don't want company? I am positive. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> so I went back into that. But anyway, so part of the 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 bucket list thing is to drive into Vegas uh, during sunset. Or no, yeah, sunset. Yeah, sunset. Sunset. And so I'm coming, since I'm coming from the east, I, I always look at what it's like from the west in the movies, like Hangover when they're coming from Los Angeles. So that was the drive that I wanted to always do. But we're we're going from Vegas to Los Angeles and then turning back around. So uh, I don't know what it's going to look like. I'm sure it's still going to be cool, nonetheless. But I've got to plan it out so I hit it at sunset. So anyway, I'm getting everything prepped and ready to rock and roll. So I take my truck up to the dealership. And um, here in Roswell, there's, uh, there's a dealership called Carl Black. And I'm kind of brand loyal to these guys in GMC. I used to endorse... 
the uh, dealership when I worked in Orlando and I have a lot of friends that work there. I know the guys that run it and uh, the service manager, uh, I would say is a, is a good friend of mine. And so, you know, the, the car industry has changed a lot. Um, so they don't have as many loaners as they used to. So he just gives me his car. He says, here, take my car because it's probably going to be just for a couple hours of the day. And then, um, you know, bring it back when your car's done. Well, my, my, my truck's been there like for overnight. Like I took it there yesterday. It's been there overnight and I still have his truck and I forgot about it. So it was like eight o'clock last night. And I walk outside. I'm like, Oh shit. Well, I pulled up this morning. I was like, nice. Isn't that nice? It's like a brand new <laughs> Denali, Yukon nice. uh, wow. or whatever it is. So I text him. I'm like, dude, I just realized I still have your vehicle. Do you need it? I'm so sorry. And I was like, is my truck done? And he's like, I don't know. And no, I don't need it. I'm like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> so I saw his car. Then I just get a, a, an email asking me what I want to do to it. I know nothing about cars, right? But I want to make sure that, I mean, it's a, I have a nice truck. It's a fairly new truck. Well, it's now five years old, but it's a, it's, it's in great condition, you know, and all that good stuff. But I don't know what's under the hood. I don't do that stuff. I never have done that stuff. <laughs> So, you know, Rach knows more about cars than I do, which I'm fine with. Somebody needs to know. But I don't know what a coolant fluid flush is, and I don't know if I need it for $170.53. I don't even know what that means. I've never heard somebody go, oh, you know why you broke down? You didn't do the coolant fluid flush. <laughs> they do say you need that on your car. They're basically going to flush everything out and fill it up new. Now, the only reason that I would suggest that maybe you should do it is because you're about to put a lot of miles on your car. All right. Well, I mean, I'm sure I need it because it's on here. But there's also, now I can't even scroll. Oh, there it is. Evaporator foam service. I don't, I don't even know what that is. I don't know what that it's is. It. It's extra in Vegas with a transvestite. (laughs) (laughs) Throttle body service. That's extra too, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Full ethanol treatment or fuel ethanol treatment. Engine oil additive emission system service. I'm done with your emissions stuff. Tane cover drains. 170 bucks. I don't even know what that word is. I can't even say the word. I don't think you need that. We don't even know what it is. I don't know what it is. So I I don't think you need it. It's probably the most important thing on there. (laughs) It's one of Nikki's friends, Tane. (laughs) (laughs) Tane, Tane, Tane. So I got to get a hold of them. I'm going to text them and say, what do I really need? You know, not that I think that they're trying to rip me off or anything because they're not like that. But I just got to, I got. You got to narrow it down. I got to narrow it down. can't get all of that stuff I see over there on the screen. Almost our, all car places are trying to rip you off a little bit because they, they are not just them, but like anyone that you go to, they all suggest these things that you maybe really don't need because you don't know. Uh, um, and, you know, it, it, it's part of the business. I get it. It's a it's a sales job, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. You go to the movie theater. They're like, you sure you don't want any candy with your popcorn and do it? You like to upgrade your yeah. drink. Yeah, and it's not even ripping you off. It's just something that you probably need at some point, but maybe not right now. But you probably need it for your driving across the country, like Nikki said. I had this uh, woman go over to my mother's house down in Florida and uh, blow out her vents, you know, or whatever. The duct cleaning, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I'm trying to to help, right, because she's got all the pets and the animals and her— so uh 
I had her go out there and she goes, this place, you know, cause her house smells. It does. It smells. And, um, and my mom doesn't realize it, you know, which is sad. It's, it's like a freaking, she lives in it. So when you live in a place, you don't often know how it smells, but it's so bad. It's detrimental to her health because that ammonia from the piss, mm-hmm. you know, it's not good for somebody that's 76 years old that has some heart issues. And so, you know, she's, I think, mad at me now. You know, we just rekindled our relationship, and she's already mad at me. She doesn't text me anymore. She just texts Rach. She, just, <laughs> she won't text me. She, she, won't, she, she just got the title to her car. She so text me when you get, she get it. I, I bought her a, 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 a fireplace insert for her fake fireplace thing that she's always wanted. Got it for Valentine's Day. She didn't text me to say thank you. But she texts. I said, wonder if she got it. Rach said, oh, yeah, she got it yesterday. I was like, why didn't she text me? She goes, oh, she texts me. Whatever. <laughs> So this lady that went over to the duck cleaning, she was like, this place stinks. I go, I know. She goes, how about we do a deep clean and the tile and the grout, a steam clean, and uh, and then we we also do a, um, what's the one you clean the air? Uh, iodine, oxine, oxidine, ox, oxidodone, oxidine, oxyboxy, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know what it's called either. Like you see the air purifiers, and you're like, this one has got oxydoxy in it, and it mm-hmm. cleans the air or something. Well, she was like, we can do that. She goes, I said, well, how much is all this? She goes, five hundred dollars. It's like Jesus. I was like, this just sounds like such a scam. Like, how do I know you're cleaning the air? Like, really? How do I know? <laughs> yeah, it does look clearer. <laughs> how do I know you're cleaning the air? The, the smog in my house has subsided. What a great gig, right? I charge $500 to clean your air. You can't ever, you don't even know if it's true or not. Yeah. So, so I was like, all right, let me think about it. And then I, I started asking her some more questions. She goes, yeah, 750 total. I go, what? what? Sheesh. I, I thought it was 500. She goes, no, that's just for the oxydoxy. And I'm not saying that right, I know, but hopefully you know what I'm talking about. It was like another 250 for this. I'm like, so that's the upsell. Back to your point about the upsell. She was over there cleaning the ducks, and then she tries to upsell. So anyway, yeah. Um, do a. Uh, I went and saw the movie Knock at the Cabin with Batista. I want to talk about that here in a second. Um, but Brandon's finally on, dude. Hello. <laughs> All right. What up? Have you sold your business yet? No. Uh-uh. You want to know why? Why? Because you don't return emails. What do you mean? What don't you understand about you don't return emails? Well, who, who's, who's emailing me? People that are interested in buying your business. This is the second person that I've spoken to that has said that they tried to reach you through email or, or text. I think maybe the first one was text or I don't know. And they're coming to me. I ain't your secretary, kid. And, and so, like, <laughs> dude, you've got to check your, like, you want to be his business guy, you got to check your emails. Are you talking about Lori? Yes, I'm talking about Lori. That's the oh, last well, she one. Only, she only sent it at 436 yesterday. You got to give me 24 hours, man. Come on now. Busy man. No, 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 no. She sent it to you yesterday because she tried to get a hold of you weeks ago. She sent you messages, whether on social media or something. There was somebody else that did that, too, that, that reached out. And I didn't give them your number because I was like, well, I'm not going to give you your number. And I ain't got time for this shit, so I gave Lori your number. I was like, here That's it is. Fine. Yeah, I thought she texted me. But I think that guy's just, I think she just knows someone that just wants to buy the equipment, not the whole business. What? Okay. You're, by the way, you're welcome. I don't okay. appreciate it. <laughs> Probably farther than you've gotten with anybody else, but you're welcome. You just gotta you gotta check your emails. That's just you gotta you don't check emails. I, we all know this. You know, you're you're that we know who he is. 
That guy Jr. I also faxed you, Brandon. You have not returned my fax. Call it what you want, kids, but you check your email. You're trying to sell business, and people are trying to get all of you. If you don't check it, you don't get money. That's on you. I'm just telling you what they're doing. So, you know, they're, you just check your email if you want to sell your business. Okay. I, I, other than that, I don't give a damn. But if they're starting to reach reach out to me, I, I, I don't have time for it. Like you said, I'm a busy man, right? So I'm a busy man. Can't play secretary. Cool. 24 hours to respond. I no, got no, you. No, 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 you're, you're missing. You, you missed the whole point where I told you she tried to reach you prior. Well, I didn't see it. I mean, unless it, it was Obviously, on email. Exactly. That's what the whole point of the cut check your email. She tried to reach you prior to, to the other day. How do you want people to reach you if you don't want them to email you? Uh, just text me. What if they Everybody don't? Everybody doesn't have your number. Yeah, it's, it's public information. How they have his email? Uh, well, yeah. I don't know. They just might. You, you got to check both. Like you can fight the system all you want, but if you're not checking both, and that's how somebody operates, dude. There's people that I know still operate through mail, and that's just how they operate. You have to play by their rules. If you're selling a business, you have to play by their rules if they want to buy the business. Just my email's attached to all my social media, so that's how people are able to email me. Why so don't I they have to w- play by Brandon's rules? Brandon doesn't do email. We all know this now. <laughs> <laughs> the hell they do. <laughs> that shit ain't working. Uh, knock at the cabin. So it's like, I don't know if it's still the number one movie in the country, but it, it, it bumped off Avatar. It's a M. Night Shyamalan movie. It is. Yeah. It looks really good. What other movies has he done? Uh, that movie Old. That's pretty good. What's that? Old, where they're on the beach and they're oh, like yeah. aging really oh, fast. Oh, yeah, I saw that one too. That was freaky. Yeah, saw a little bit of that. But he's known yeah, to have that, like freaky movies. That's his gimmick. Yeah, what was that? Like The Visit, um... There was that other one where it was like there was some weird creature in the woods and they like sacrifice people. That one is really good. Oh, I don't know what that one. Is. Oh, the vil- the village. That's what it was. Oh, but he did oh, sign- that weird that yeah. weird moose thing that walked to the woods. Yeah, yeah, with the handlers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he did the movie Signs also with Mel Gibson. That was a good one too. So, yeah. Knock at the Cabin. Um, it stars Dave Bautista, the wrestler. There's a lot of fanfare on how great of an acting job Dave Bautista does in this movie. And, uh, you know, he, he was just in the last um, uh, Knives Out movie. I thought he did a great job there. He's in Guardians of the Galaxy. He does a good job there. He's a very good actor, I think. You know, I was, not, I was never really a big Dave Bautista fan as a wrestler, but as, a, as an actor, he's, he's, he's really good. And in this movie, I thought he was excellent. Like, really, really good. When you can, this is what The Rock has a problem doing. And any any guy with muscles is automatically put into the you have to be an action star. It's very difficult for somebody of size to do anything else other than action stuff. Because you look like a an action figure. You look like a superhero, like in real life. And I remember like some of The Rock's early movies, he was trying to do like hide the muscles and stuff. It just didn't work. Dave Batista, who's just as big as The Rock. He pulls this off as you don't realize how big he is. Like, he doesn't look like the beast that he is. It's kind of the way, but they, and they don't try to cover it up. I, I mean, was about to say, did they put him in full clothes the whole time? 
Well, he had je- like he had jeans on, and he had a tucked in button up short sleeve shirt. Okay, so you could see that he was large, but he mm-hmm. looked like a nerd. Okay. And and in the movie, he's uh, like a second grade teacher. What? Yeah. So the whole movie uh, is about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. So these four people, led by Dave Batista, randomly pick this cabin in the woods where a family is staying for like the weekend. And the family is two fathers. It's a gay couple with their adopted Asian daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that really that means anything uh, other than that kind of plays in where they say you're targeting us and this and this and that. So uh, it starts out with Dave Batista walking through the woods and they're in like in this isolated place. There's literally nothing around. And this little Asian girl's outside catching grasshoppers and Dave Batista sits down and he says, you know, hi, and makes friends with her. And she's like, I'm not supposed to talk to strangers. And, you know, it comes across as kind of creepy, but not creepy. Like, that's how good he really did where, like, dude, a weird big guy walking in the woods and you sit down and start talking to this girl, it'd be creepy. But after, like, a couple seconds, he pulls off the, I'm not creepy. I'm real. And I really need to tell you stuff. Hmm. And then the rest of his crew come. She gets scared, goes inside, And then everything ensues. And the whole idea is that these four individuals who are just normal people, right? One's a nurse, one works for the gas company, one's a cook, two women, two guys. And they all had the same vision of the end of the world. And they all had the same vision of what to do to stop it. Part of that vision was to make these homemade weapons. And part of the vision was to meet in a certain place. And part of the vision was to go to this cabin and whoever was in this cabin given them an option. And the option is uh, you have to sacrifice one person in your party, in your family, in order to save the world. And the longer you wait, the more people on earth will die. Oh, that is a hard decision. What would you do if somebody came to your house and told you that? Well, I just, I, I, I probably have to revert to all the shit Caleb put me through and be like, you got to go, kid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. I love you, Caleb. I love you. I love you. I love you. Yeah, we we all have an uncle we don't like. That wouldn't be too hard. I don't think. You just hope that he's in the cabin with you, right? Right. Be in the cabin. Oh, yeah, true. It's a we'll wait till Christmas till it's a get together. <laughs> you know, it's just it's just the two dads and then the daughter, and you can't commit suicide, so you can't sacrifice yourself. Somebody has to take your life. One of the four of them. Well, um, no. Well, okay. No, the the family. That you know the two, the two the gay couple. So somebody has to be sacrificed, and you got to kill them. Yeah. So either one of like you have to kill the kid, or you have to kill one of the dads. Like, and they and they they have to do it. Like the daughter had to have, would could kill the dad. That would work, or the dad would kill the dad, or the dad would kill the daughter. Those things would all work, but you can't. Oh. It can't be anyone else. So um, they the 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 four people are like you have to make this decision. And it's like the same line over and over again. Dave Batista is saying, would you please make this choice? We only have seconds until, um, and he starts telling everybody what's going to happen, you know, and it's all, it's very biblical parallel to the right. Bible right. of, you know, the, the fall out of the sky, the fingers of God and all that kind of stuff. 
And so uh, they're like, no, this is, you know, this is, this is bullshit. This is a scam. I mean, of course, you're not going to believe four people that have tied you up in a cabin and are telling you you got to sacrifice one of your family members in order to save the world. You're going to think they're freaking crazy. Exactly. And then they realized that they recognized one of the guys and one of the guys got in a fight with one of the gay guys because he was a homophobic, you know, redneck. And... And he was going by a different name. And so now they think this, this is a hate crime. Oh. And of course they're not going to do this. Heck no. So the, no, no one does anything. And Dave Batista turns on the TV and you see this earthquake hits off the coast of California, um, Seattle, Oregon area. And this tsunami with this 50 foot wave crashes in, killing all these people on the eastern coast of or the western coast of North, North America. And they're like, coincidence, it was recorded. He timed, you know, they're making up excuses. So then they have to sacrifice one of their own. Every time. Out of the four? Yeah. Whoa. So they sacrifice one of their own. And then it just rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. In the middle, they try to get away. In the middle, there's bickering back and forth. A lot of dialogue, blah, blah, blah. A lot of death and bloodshed and all that kind of stuff. Um, but it, it like, it's a real mind of, I, I haven't seen a movie lately where, and I mean, I saw this movie l- over a week ago that I still don't know if I like it or not. Like, really? I st- <laughs> like, I can't remember a movie. Like that's, you either walk out of a movie at the theater or you're watching on TV or something. You either like it or you don't like it. Exactly. Very, very few times. I don't even know if I can think of one that. It's taken me weeks, and I still can't figure out if I liked it or not. <laughs> What's so hard about it? I don't know. Like, I can't say I loved it, and I can't say I hated it. Because the I thought the acting was phenomenal. I thought the storyline was interesting. Uh, I will say that the older I get, the less I like horror movies and scary movies and real-life simulation subliminal movies. You know, the home invasion movies, because because they're too real. I've, I've noticed that the older I get, I like to watch more comedies and rom-coms right, yeah. and stuff like that because they're light. So for me, the way I judge whether or not I like a movie is if I'll watch it a second time. If I'll watch it a second time, then I liked it. If I'll never watch it again, I didn't like it. So will you watch it again? I don't. I can't answer that. I don't know. Because you can easily watch this at home. It's not like it's a theater type of movie, like an Avatar, right? Right. I, I don't know if I'd watch again. I, 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 will, I could tell you I won't watch it in the middle. But I wouldn't have that problem because I cut the cord, so I'll never have that problem. You know what I'm saying? Like when you have cable and the movie's on and you're sitting oh, down. Oh, if, if the middle of the movie came on, you'd be like, oh, let me just watch this. You just got home. You got yeah. a pub sub and an iced tea. And you're like, oh, I hope yeah. something good's on for at least the next 20 minutes. You're like, oh, knock at the cabin door. Oh, cool. I'm going to knock at the cabin. Whatever the movie's going. I'm going to sit down and watch that. It's halfway through. I've already seen it, so I know what's going. No, right. you can't do that with this movie. You have to watch it from the beginning to the end. Hmm. I don't know if I'd watch it again. But it was very interesting. If you like Google Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, mm-hmm. uh, I've seen the um, I've seen the preview for this. But it you know, it'll tell you the different. I don't know what's the word? What's the adjective I'm looking for? The different horsemen references. Yeah, references <laughs> like what they stand for, mm-hmm. um, and they all stood for 
at the end, you figure it out. They, they, they all stood. I'm not going to tell you what happens at the end, so you guys, if you do want to watch it. but I'm definitely going to watch it. Um, it. It was, and I thought the ending was good. You know, uh, it was, they took a very. They represent planets. Mercury, Mars, Jupiter, Saturn. No, they, they represent uh, other things as well. They, they represent. Death, destruction. There's, they're deeper meanings. Hold on, it's pulling all the meanings up right now. Because the four horsemen of the apocalypse are in the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. That's when the end of the world will see the four horsemen. Yep. Right. So, let's see what meaning you're looking for. If you say the words, I'd, I'd remember it. I thought it was Jim Bean, Jack Daniels, what was it? Johnny Walker and Jose Cuervo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jose the odd man out. <laughs> Who brought Jose along, fellas? <laughs> oh, Jose would actually ride a horse because he's like a... Like a Mexican guy. Yeah, well, the rest of them are just being, you know, pulled behind Jose and his horse. <laughs> so anyway, it's uh, it's 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 it, if you're into that kind of stuff, it's good. We went. We originally wanted to go see Eighty for Brady, and this movie's been out. I mean, now it's been out for a couple of weeks, but when we went and saw this. It's only been out for like a week or two weeks, and they only had two showings. And that movie looks fantastic, but I can't bring myself to go watch it after the Super Bowl. Like when football season's done. Nobody wants to watch a football movie if it's not in football season, right? It just doesn't make any sense. Or does it get you like it, it extends the season a little bit longer. No. So you got something football after football's over. No, football's done. You know, it's football's done. People aren't even talking about the game after the Super Bowl. We're talking about Rihanna being pregnant. And the know? grass. And the grass. Yeah. Well the grass was bad. But yeah, so it was just you know, and the call, of course, the call. I took some of the grass, by the way. I got a little clump of it. Really? You're gonna sell it? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, yeah, I, mean, I would. If anybody I'd, wants it, I'd put I'd put it up on eBay just to see how much you can get for it. Yeah, before it dies. <laughs> yeah, uh, seriously. You know, I mean, Kansas City Chiefs fans. Like, if you put this, I grab this clunk of grass out of Patrick Mahomes' cleats. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Patrick Mahomes stepped on this grass. Super Bowl MVP stepped on this grass. I bet I bet you could sell it for like a hundred bucks. Oh yeah, probably. Was that hot yeah, girl selling toots in a jar for ridiculous <laughs> money? That's where oh, there's, there's a website, tootsinajar.com. <laughs> so you can sell clumps of grass in the Super Bowl. Absolutely. Yeah, because I think somebody was selling like Tom Brady's breath or something like that. So <laughs> yeah, I'm sure this would go. There there's the uh so now that Tom Brady's retired, I, I'm, he, he's starting to do all these like little appearances and shows and stuff. There's a, a new series or there's a series on Netflix that stars Paul Rudd and it's called something yourself uh, alone with myself or alone with yourself or something to that effect. Uh, living with yourself, living with yourself. Thank you. And we just started watching it because we're Paul Rudd fans. It's okay. But the premise is kind of interesting. Like he's, his life is just going in the toilet. Can't get his wife pregnant. His wife's pissed off at him. He's doing horrible at his job. And then this guy comes out of nowhere at his job who's always been just a, a screw up and starts, it's just crushing and everybody likes him and all the girls like him. And they're finally at a, a bar uh, together. And he's like, what happened to you? Like, who are you? What What did you do? And he tells him the secret is going to this this massage spa. He goes, a hand job change your life like that? 
He goes, no, 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 no. You don't understand. He goes, uh, you'll get it when you go there. He's like, but it's an exclusive club and it's very expensive uh, and you have to be recommended. And so he's like, okay. So one day it just got so bad. He's like, screw it. I'm going empties, empties out his savings account. It's $50,000. And he goes to this massage spa and these two Asian guys just take him into this room. Anyway, it's cloning. They cloned him. But they usually, what happens is the, the, the bad clone, like the original clone, the one that's bad, they kill and they bury him out in this national park. Well, Paul Rudd was the first one to wake up and it, it, the, the murder didn't work. So now, and he goes home and there's another Paul Rudd there <laughs> and one's like good and one sucks. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting. It's, it, it's, it's kind of good. Did you see the four, find the four horsemen thing? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I still don't know exactly what you're wanting from them. But if you're saying the one is conquest, one is famine, famine, one, yeah, one represents death, the other represents war. So yeah. it's conquest, war, famine, death. Yeah, and they talk about that towards mm-hmm. the end. Yeah, you know, which helps change the mind of the couple. Okay, but so if you were on a vacation, you're in this situation with your husband and your child, and you then. After everything happens, everything ensues, you start to see the death, destruction, disaster on television. You're like, these guys are for real. One, would you ever believe them? No. Okay, so you're just going to let the world end. Well, I, I... You selfish son of a bitch. I am biblical, and I know how God says the world's supposed to end. And it's not that I have to sacrifice somebody for my family. So I would not do it, no. Well, you just ruined every... I mean, you, you killed the world. Like, if these guys wouldn't do, wouldn't have done what they did, the world would have ended. But whoever you pick, they're going to die regardless. Because if you pick them and save the world, they die. If you don't pick anyone, then they're going to die. So, well, yeah, if if the whole world dies. Yeah, but, yeah, it's either one person dies or everybody dies. So, that that person that you're having a hard time making a decision about, they're going to die either way. Exactly. Yeah. So, but, but that's if you believe the world's going to (laughs) end. True. And that's, that's the catch 22. I mean, it's very, it's a very difficult pill to swallow when four strangers barge in and tie you up and tell you that and say, you have to kill this one of these people (laughs) and the fact of them tying me up would definitely make me believe nothing they're saying because you're not giving me free will if you're going to tie me up well they didn't at first you got to watch it okay yeah there's a reason why they get tied up (laughs) probably because they're trying to leave yeah spoiler (laughs) how did they know like there was earthquakes or whatever else is going on you turn on the news Oh, okay. vision, oh, oh, they got they got good service up there in the woods. I'm sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it, they they had the visions. They knew what was going to happen, so they're telling them what's going to happen if they don't do it. And when they don't do it, they have to sacrifice one of their own. And after they do that, they turn on the news, and then they see the destruction that they've already said. You know, so the first was the earthquake, which caused the tsunami. Next, like airplanes, all the airplanes in the sky just fell. So they're like missiles. They're just falling. That was the fingers of God. And there was uh, the famine was in there, you know, or or something happened. And then then the end of times started to happen. And that's at the end of the movie. Again, I'm not going to give it away, but you start to see 
you know, everything's happening at one time. The sky starts to go black, gray to black. And they're like, oh, this is real. We, got, we should, we should probably, we should probably do something about this. We can save the world. No, you just prepare. Hopefully you're right with God. Somebody's dying. You know, like Everybody's if we get, dying. if we get to that point, somebody's going to go, you know? <laughs> So, oh, well, you already said you're going to sacrifice Caleb. No, I wouldn't. I I would easily. I mean, this is such an easy decision to make is I would just say, kill me. You know, just I'm cool with it. You know, and and you got to get you got to talk the person into it, obviously. But I would just say, Rach, just it's very simple stuff. Just shoot me. I don't believe that you would even buy into somebody coming and telling you that crap. You got well again. You it's hard for like. I mean, this is all make believe. Like right now, if somebody came into my yes, it, you're right. It'd be very hard <laughs> to believe. I agree with you. But if you watch this movie, um, if you watch this movie and you put yourself in the scenario, you would eventually buy into it. Okay, I know I would. So you're sacrificing yourself ultimately. Yes. To save the world. Right, save exactly. Humanity. And, and that's the answer I'm, I'm assuming everybody would give. If I have give, to choose right? a person, whoever this husband is, um, I'd kill him. Well, it's because Wait, you don't so is it is it anybody in the family has to kill someone, or is it just one person? <sighs> it's one person. If it's just one person, it, then you couldn't, you, that would be suicide if you killed yourself. I know, I didn't say that. I said she would, uh, Rachel would have to kill me. But then you didn't kill somebody if it was just the one person. So you're saying anybody in the family can kill someone. Yeah, yeah, you have to kill one person. Like, one person has to kill one person in the group. Yeah, you have to be sacrificed, but it can't be suicide. Right. Yeah, but, okay, but it's anybody in the the cabin. It's not like, oh, Jason, you have to kill one person. Not anyone in the cabin. It's only the gay couple or the child. The family. Okay. The family. But But it's not anybody, like... It's, it's not coming to you and saying you, Jason, have to kill someone. It's like no. anybody here. Okay, okay. Anybody in that well, family that's targeted. So you would, if in your, like if we're playing make-believe, you know, Nikki, you're on vacation with your husband and your two kids, right? right. So one of you has to sacrifice the other one. one of you. Right. You know, I mean, if you've got a kid you just don't like or it's got... You know, some terminal disease. I'm going to kill my husband. Yeah. Well, you don't know that. You haven't, you don't, you're saying that because you don't know him. You could find a husband that's really lovey and you'd be like, no, he's a good dad. I want him to take care of my kids. No, I want I'm you not to take my have life. Any more kids. I can find another husband. See, that's a horrible thing to say. You no, can make not. more kids too. And plus, yeah. if yeah. I yeah. save the world, you know how many people are going to be on me? Like, <laughs> she saved the world. Where's she at? I'm going out a martyr. Like, I'm going out. <laughs> You know, my wife killed me. I told her to do it. I'd write it out and everything. You know, take a little video or something. And I'd, I'd, I'd have dollar bills. I mean, I did money after named after me. I had buildings, libraries, coins, streets. And your wife would have all kind of dudes like, what's up? Yeah, but she couldn't quit me. I mean, she would... <laughs> Like, I would be living in that girl's mind for the end of times, man. <laughs> Let's just hope this doesn't happen at Brandon's house because his internet would go out. He wouldn't hear about the world ending, and then they'd be emailing him, and he'd be, like, not even getting them. We'd all die. <laughs> we don't even know what that scenario would look like either, Nate. I don't know who Brandon would vacation with. I mean, I guess someday he plans on getting married. I don't know. And now it's him and his dad. One of them got to go. Okay, so if they if you and your dad went, 
It was weird. You and your dad go <laughs> to a cabin and this happens. What do you do? Uh, I mean, my dad probably wouldn't kill me, so I'd probably have to kill him. He probably wouldn't kill his only son, so I'd probably have to kill him more than likely. But would he like, yeah, kill me? But he'd be like, no, I can't. Uh, all right, well, I guess I got to kill you, dad. Sorry. But what? But would he say, like, kill me? Or would you go, I just got to do it, dude? Oh, just like surprise him? Yeah. Uh, no, I'd probably say a few goodbyes at least. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> how, how you doing? Wait, did the, did the people... Did the people know you saved the world or they they just think something that just all stopped? Uh, I don't, we don't know unless there's a knock at the cabin too. (laughs) (laughs) And on the other side, can you just ignore it? Just unplug the TV and be like, I don't know what's going on. (laughs) It's not my problem. (laughs) No, because it starts, it it starts to affect them where they're at. So they said that's when it becomes real when they start, Uh, when they start to see it. So Nate, you know, it's just you and, your wife, no kids, but you go on family trips. So you got your dad, your mom, your brother, your brother's girlfriend. Dogs don't count. Well, that's a that's a lot to choose from. No, they're gonna kill their brother's girlfriend. That's easy. Probably. <laughs> no, I think I think it's like any like animal pack. You you like when they're hungry, they they kill the oldest one. So you just kill the oldest person. They've already lived their life. They know that. So so dad, I guy. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. If it's just, yeah. you know, yeah. If it's my close family, you know, if it's a extended family, then you kill your grandpa. But yeah, if it's whoever's oldest, sorry, you got to go. Mm-hmm. Or you do like Armageddon and you draw straws. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's, that's good too. Yeah. The draw on the straws. Would you draw straws? No, no. I just kill my husband. You really want to kill somebody, don't you? I don't <laughs> want to kill anybody, this, but you're way, giving me this choice. I'm forced with this, by the way, is a test for all you people right now. <laughs> That are having these sick, twisted thoughts that are uh, like Nate's makes sense, you know. And I think I guy would step up to the plate, you know. Brandon uh, is it's just him and his dad. His dad's the older one; he'd have a problem. Nikki just wants to kill a man. No, I don't. <laughs> you gave oh. me an option of me and a husband, which I don't have, and two more kids. Now, if you gave me real life scenario, just me and my daughter, which is what we have, then I'm going to tell my daughter to kill me. So it's just you and your daughter. Okay. Then I'm going to yeah. tell her to kill me. Well, no, no. I'm just saying. So if it were just you and your daughter. If it was just me and my daughter, I would die. You'd struggle about, with that though. She'd like, you how should. About this? No, I wouldn't. I'm prepared to die. Like I'm ready. I just don't want to die in space. I want to be raptured up. That's it. Totally, That's my only... totally legit thing to say. I yeah. just don't want to die in space. But I'm, not, I'm not afraid to die. <laughs> what? We're, we're, we're all in the cabin together. Who do you kill? Oh, that's... <laughs> Jason already sacrificed himself, yeah, I so I'm going to stick Jason. with that. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I wouldn't even let Brandon finish a sentence and he'd be dead. <laughs> I would have actually believed them before they broke into the cabin. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Jason yeah, gets just... Brandon, and the guy goes, I said you might need to kill someone. <laughs> One of y'all got to go, bam. <laughs> said, one, one of you got to go outside and get some water. That's what I was going to say. Brandon's dead. <laughs> get a phone call from M. Night Shyamalan and goes, dude, this movie's supposed to be two hours, not two minutes. <laughs> it's a YouTube short in honor of Brandon. <laughs> yeah, that'd be an easy choice. Yeah, Brandon doesn't have anything to offer. He doesn't check emails. <laughs> so... If I had to tell somebody why I did it, I'd be like, he doesn't check emails. 
and you kill him and then we sell his business for him and we keep the money. <laughs> <laughs> we answer all the emails. We sell it for 250 grand. You don't have to wash someone's balls and it all works out. Uh, I'm just washing my balls every day. <laughs> yeah. With hundreds. With hundreds. <laughs> with hundreds. <laughs> uh, good movie. Uh, if you want to go see it, I just, well, I don't want to say it's a good movie. I don't know if it's a good movie. It sounds like it's a good it's movie. It's an interesting movie. I definitely want to watch it. It's, you should. And I'm you, then you can figure out if you like it or not. It's, it's one of those weird movies. Like, can you think of another movie that you've seen, you walked away and you're like, weeks later, I don't know if I like it or not. It's the strangest thing. I, I think a lot. Like- I, I I think that's how his movies are, because like that, the village. That's kind of how I feel. I love that movie. I think, but it think. doesn't end well, as far as I remember. <laughs> I think I love that movie. I just don't know. I felt like that about Precious. It won all these awards, and it was a, a great movie. But it, it wasn't a great movie, and and I'll never watch it again. Was it not a good movie because it was sad? Uh, it was traumatizing. It's about the big girl, right? Yeah. Yeah. But it was, you know, a, a a good movie, but it wasn't. like So I can't ever watch it again. Um, it deserved the awards that it got, but it's not. It's one of those things where that's how I feel. That's the movie I always name when, when asked that question. It's Precious. Well, no one asked this question. I'm the first ever. You're not the first person yeah, to ever is a, this question. Yeah, this is innovative stuff that I'm doing right now. <laughs> no one has ever asked that question before. It's very cerebral. Okay, this is exclusive. Right, because, I mean, you've never told that story before? I have. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sure I have. Well, see, now and you're questioning yourself. You. No, definitely didn't tell it to me. I didn't hear definitely no did. Precious stories. Definitely I would did. remember you telling me a story about Precious. Clearly you precious don't. Precious is my jam. No, it's not. You didn't even watch it. I did. <laughs> no, you, well, well, tell me something that happened in the movie if you watched it. Not what you heard on previews. That's fine. I'll answer your question. Okay. Precious ate food. No. Oh, you're trying she to tell me. She didn't eat the entire movie. She ate in the movie. No, she did. That time she ate the cheeseburger. <laughs> no, she didn't. <laughs> you're mixing it up with you oh, eating cheeseburgers. Oh, okay. No, 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 no. You're right. You're right. I, I saw the extended version. So <laughs> no, you didn't. I did. <laughs> it, was, it was It was. actually called the elastic version. <laughs> That's horrible. I shouldn't say that. That's bad. I can't even say that this day. That's so bad. I apologize. I'm sorry. See, Damage she, control early. Yeah. So, you know, I got I to gotta, I gotta be careful. We got to get back into a certain mode. You know what I'm saying? All right. I'm sorry. That was bad. Too soon? <laughs> no, because you said the same thing the last time she told you this story. Exactly. <laughs> you called her a big fat black girl, and then it got real weird, and then, and then you said the same thing. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry for all of it. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> right. Here we go, Nate. And now a Mexico moment with Nate. All right, God. A Mexico moment with Nate brought to you by Inspect All Pest Services. Inspect All Pest Services provides high-quality termite, pest, and wildlife control. But that's not all they do. Inspect All can take care of your insulation, pressure pressure washing, gutter maintenance, and other home services in Metro Atlanta and the surrounding region. And now you can mention the BS and get 10% off, and you can reach them at 770-483-2420. That's 770-483-2420. All right. What do you got? Do you want like an actual Mexico story or like a Super Bowl one? Well, I think the segment's kind of morphed into just you telling a story since you're 
now Mexico Nate, not Digidoo Nate. So it could be. You're everywhere. You know, we, we kind of, uh, when when you were traveling, last couple episodes, we were telling people what you said on social media about, like, the halftime show and the cell phones and the little sperm people and all that stuff. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I'll tell a halftime one or a Super Bowl show or a story just because I was just there not too long ago. Um, so the, the basically the first year that I did it in Atlanta, um, they they tell you when you're you're out there on the field and you're moving the stage and everything, you can't be filming because, you know, you don't want to drop your phone and fall over and get run over by these carts because the, the stage pieces weigh between 2,000, 4,000 pounds. So they're, they're big, heavy pieces of equipment. So the first year I did it, I wanted to film while I was out there, like first person. And, uh, and so I bought this little tiny, like cheap ass body cam kind of thing. Um, and I filmed it, but it was kind of grainy. It wasn't the greatest footage. It was like Seven Eleven, you know, convenience store video. Um, so this year, you know, I was like, I'm coming prepared. I brought like all my GoPros. I brought, um, like my 360 camera. I, you know, when you buy a GoPro and you get like a million different attachments for it. Oh, yeah. Like if you get that, if you get that package, there's a shit you don't even use. I think you, so bought, I think, all I think you bought that for me actually. Like every attachment known to man for my GoPro. Yeah, I think I did. Yeah. yeah. So, um, so I brought all that stuff and you know, so I'm trying to figure it out because they've never said that you can't record with a GoPro while you're on the field. They, they said you can't have anything in your hands. So I, I subscribe to the ask for forgiveness, not for permission can you know idea so uh so i'm figuring i'm just gonna do this because if i ask them and they say no then i can't do it at all but if i do it and just play dumb at the end you know then i can you know at least get the video so i'm trying to like this whole you know couple weeks leading up to the halftime show i'm trying to figure out what's the best way to do it where they're not going to yell at me or pull me off the cart like last second before i get on the field and um so i kind of come to the conclusion i think the, my GoPro is going to be too obvious. It's it's not inconspicuous if it's on my head, if it's on my chest, it's not going to show up well. So, um, so I buy this police body cam and what I did previously when I had like the shittier body cam, I put it on my hat. Like, you know, I wear my hat backwards and it clips on like on the little, you know, extender part on my hat. So that's what I'm going to do. So I buy this body cam. I order it via Amazon to my buddy's house, which by the way, I sent something or I had a friend send something from Atlanta to, to my friend's house in Phoenix. And it got all the way there and I'm watching, I'm tracking it and it, it gets to his um, house and then it says incomplete address and they sent it back to Atlanta. Huh. And I go to the, the post office and we're trying to figure out what happened. And I was like, yeah, you know, and then they're like, okay, like here's, you know, let's fill out a complaint and uh, you know, we need your name. And I was like, okay, do you need my name or the guy that owns the house? And she's like, oh, you don't live there? And I go, no. And she's like, oh, well, if your name's not on the mailbox, we, we cannot deliver it. And what? I go, when the fuck did that happen? <laughs> I, was like, I, was, I was like, I'm pretty sure I've sent a card to my grandma that just said grandma on it. And you didn't send it back because of that. I was like, that's bullshit. So this dude brought my package all the way to his mailbox and goes, Oh, nope, there's no Nate Hansen here. And then just sent it all the way back to Atlanta. Wow. So, yeah. That's bullshit. So that's, that's a whole different story. But anyway, so, um, so I ordered this body cam to, uh, to my buddy's house and I'm like testing it out and it, and it looks pretty good. It has good quality. It has good audio and everything. Um, 
so we get to, uh, you know, game day and we're outside of uh, the stadium in they call it the tray. And that's where the when the grass gets like wheeled out to get sun during the day, it's like where the grass usually is. But since it's in, this is where like we're kind of the staging area for everything. And it's also where all the um, like trailers and the celebrities and stuff stay like their Jordan Sparks trailer. There's this little compound built for Rihanna to get ready. I saw Jay-Z roll by. Hold on for a second. Um, Did you say Jordan Sparks? Yeah. Was she there? Yeah, I think she did some pregame or halftime interviews That's or something like that. so weird that you said that just so. This morning I was up at like 4.30, and I went to the gym early, and uh, Jordan Sparks came on the radio, that song Tattoo, from oh. 2007. And I'm sitting there having a conversation with myself in my head <laughs> going, I remember that girl. I liked that girl. That girl was really talented. And then she did those cell phone commercials, which I thought were funny. It was like the heyday of American Idol. Then I said to myself, self, wonder what happened to Jordan Sparks. Who knew hours later Nate would name drop <laughs> Jordan Sparks? <laughs> yeah. Knock at the cabin, man. Knock at the cabin. <laughs> Yeah, during the halftime show, she was standing right by us. Uh, one of my buddies got her, her autograph and everything. Yeah, so she was there. But anyway, so we're in this kind of compound area waiting to like get ready to roll in. I'm like, okay, so I'm just going to throw on my body cam thing on my hat like last second when we're going in so they don't have time to pull me off if they don't want me doing it. And I get there, and there's like three other dudes with like GoPros on their foreheads, and they're just sitting there with it the whole time. I'm like, shit, okay, so they didn't care. I'm like, whatever. So at least I have my body cam. And uh, my little buddy Juan behind me, he has he has those glasses. Not like your Jason. Do you still have those glasses? The the Facebook ones. Yeah, I don't <laughs> wear them often. And kind of a, uh, it's the I, the idea is great. It's just mine don't listen to me when I talk to them. There was this old dude I ran into when I was down in Florida. He was walking around the market. He was like, hey, Facebook, take picture. Hey, Facebook, take video. And he just kept taking pictures and video of his dog. I was like, do you like those glasses? Love them. Don't leave home without them. I mean, I've worn them like once and I haven't liked them. They're like $300 <laughs> glasses just sitting over there. Let me ah, know. damn. I know. But so what did he, is there another smart glasses out there? Oh yeah. There's tons of them. They're oh, really? just probably not as good quality and they're not hooked up to Facebook, but oh. yeah, you can get them on Amazon for like 30 bucks, <laughs> um, but, but not the same quality, I'm sure. Oh. Uh, but anyway, so he had his and everything. And so I'm, uh, you know, we're getting ready to go and they're like, all right, it's go time. The doors fly open and I throw on my GoPro or my, um, my body cam on my hat and we're running, rushing through and we do the whole thing. And and we go do the halftime show and we're watching it from the end zone. And then when we go to take the stage off, I throw it back on and we go out and everything. So I'm like, awesome. I got the whole thing. I'm super pumped about it. And I get home and I throw in the video. And um, apparently when we were going out, my hat had slipped back a little bit like this. So the video is just like of the top of the stadium the whole time. Oh, <laughs> so oh, it didn't turn out at all. I'm Lord. so pissed. I, I've done, I did that like in the Bahamas. I'll put my GoPro on my wrist and, you know, we'll go on the jet ski or something. And I'll come back and look at the footage. And it's like of the sky because you know, I didn't pay attention. <laughs> the damn thing moved. Yeah. So I'm hoping Juan, uh, his video turned out. But, yeah, it was kind of bummed that that happened was it was it a good show like uh up close and personal oh yeah it was great i mean she was fucking four stories in the air and you know the all the the choreographed dancers and everything like that and i know people you know like you i, I listened to the episode i know you guys like pretty much covered it you're you're right people are gonna hate on it regardless um but i, I always say like 
concerts aren't made to be on television. You, you go to concerts. So of course they're going to be better in person than if you watch it on TV from your couch. Well, and also you have a pregnant woman performing. I mean, like, you know, Rach said this, she, you know, she goes, I've been pregnant twice. The last thing in the world I want to do is do what she did at that stage of my pregnancy. You know, yeah. so it, it, it amazes, you know, I don't care either way about the, the, I'm, I'm done with having an opinion, whether the, the halftime shows are good or bad, because I think it's just, it's waste of time. You know, you, you, you have to accept it for what it is, whether you are into the artist or not, I can go without Rihanna, but that doesn't mean it was a bad performance just because my taste of music isn't necessarily that. Yeah, she lip synced. They all lip sync. Every single artist, nobody sings. Uh, well, they do sing, but they have a backing track. Right. So it's not natural. And the dancing could have done without it. I need the guy grinding in my camera, my, my television with his tongue. I mean, like, I, could, I could do without all that stuff. With that being said, it's it's not my place, right? I mean, it's a show. There's a lot of shows that happen, like 99% of them that aren't going to make people happy because you're not putting it on. You're not in control of it. So it is what it is. Uh, what I'm blown away about is that if you were to walk up and down the street, it's just how we look at celebrities and we diminish the value of them as a human being because they're celebrities. And I think that's gross, to be honest with you. Um, not that I'm a mark for, for celebs or anything like that, but... I am a mark for humanity and people in general. And I definitely am a mark for being respectful to women. And if you were to walk down the street and see a pregnant woman and she needed help or, you know, open, you're going to take extra special care of that woman because she's pregnant, right? right? There's, there's extra care. I mean, this is the miracle of life. This woman is giving birth to a miracle to a child. There's no difference if that miracle is, you know, fell down on the sidewalk uh, in your neighborhood or performing at a Super Bowl halftime show. I mean, I might be blowing this way big out of proportion, but nonetheless, it was a pregnant woman that was working, right? So, yeah. like, how can you be mad at that? I just don't understand how people can pick her apart, whereas, like, she's perform and she's performing for free on top of all that <laughs> well yeah and then people say oh well she should have you know not done it if she you know was pregnant or whatever like okay so she found out i mean she probably already had this contract or whatever signed like months ago and so she had like the you know the work ethic and the and the passion for this to say i don't care if i'm pregnant i'm gonna fucking do it and then people are hating on her for it like saying she should have quit where it's weird because like if you see uh a pregnant woman like running a 5k or a marathon you're not like yeah she shouldn't have signed up for that you're, you're like wow that's really cool good for her she was able right. to do that even though she was pregnant exactly that's my point is that it's just it's different because they're celebrities and and you know and and there are things that i you can take shots at because they are celebrities once you're a public figure you know you kind of lose the rights and you're out there in the open but nonetheless with that aside she's a pregnant woman and have some class, right? Just exactly. have have some class. Yeah, that's all you got to do. You know, it's like if you see somebody with a disability that you know, like I, I I always I like to share and I get teared up every time I see those videos of you know like the high school basketball game. They've got a kid with a disability that helps out, and they put them out on the court, and both teams agree to let the you know let the kid make the shot and feel like he was a part of something. I get chills every time. I think that's wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. 
you know, I like to share that kind of stuff because that's the goodness in the world. But, you know, if you're the, you would be the guy, if you had a problem with the pregnant woman working at the Super Bowl halftime, you're the guy saying, what the hell, man? Why are you letting the mentally challenged, retarded kid do all that stuff? This is bullshit. Game on, boys. Seventh graders kick ass. Like, dude, <laughs> relax. You know, I mean, just yeah. like, look at the big picture. Stop being dicks, right? So, like I said, the performance, I could have gone without. Was it the best Super Bowl? You know, like, if you want to break down the performance, not blown away by no stretch of the imagination it was what it was if you're a rihanna fan you loved it if you're not a rihanna fan you hated it or you just didn't like it you just it just didn't resonate with you um i still stick by as far as the format of the halftime show goes you've got to bring somebody in from another genre in order to possibly have a memorable moment there are very few memorable we talked about this very few few memorable moments in super bowl halftime shows this halftime show was very forgettable. There was no memorable moments outside of maybe that she was pregnant, right? That could, yeah. that could be in the future. Cause I don't know what the future brings down the road. That could be the memorable moment. Actually, that could be it. Um, oh but, yeah, totally. Cause she's the first person to perform, do the halftime show while pregnant. Right. And she announced her pregnancy by like grabbing her belly during it. I think that's a memorable moment. I mean, people will remember that. Um, but yeah, and I know it's not like the biggest star, but one of the guys, the band that they brought out afterwards, or I mean, uh, part of the way through the show, the guitarist that's on stage, that was Nuno Benicourt from uh, the band Extreme, Extreme. who we interviewed a couple of years ago. So, wow. so there was some rock in there for the for the rock fans. <laughs> I, I, I didn't I didn't know that. Uh, I didn't even pay attention. I didn't know that was him. That was great. Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, Nuno Benicourt and then Adam Blackwell um, was part of that band. Huh. That's uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, he's probably yeah. known as one of the best guitarists alive. Um, yeah, and he was right out there, and they didn't even make a big deal about it. You think they'd say, mention it at least, right? He said, you know, more than words. What's uh, what's going on? Why isn't everybody talking about this? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you know, now now that I've talked to, talked myself through it, maybe that will be the memorable moment going Absolutely. out. Absolutely, but but it it's it's not like as of right now, it's not on on the same level as the nipple expose or Prince playing Purple Rain in the rain, you know, which is not planned, right? It organically right. happened. Uh, those moments will live in, in history of, of the Super Bowl. Outside of that, there's not much out there, right? I mean, yeah. It, it, and you've had the biggest artists of generations perform, you know, Chili Peppers, forget, Maroon 5, forget, um, uh, Michael Jackson, forget people well, like well, last actually, year but it wasn't like the show it was just that it was nostalgic it was just people liked seeing people from back in the day yeah took you back to your adolescence right that was that was i don't know if it was memorable you know like 50, i couldn't tell you what happened during the show but i could yeah, everybody just talks about oh that was so great when they all were out there together but i think that you'll remember that they performed there's a difference right, yeah. between having a memorable moment and knowing who performed and saying that that was good. And uh, it has to do, if it were just Eminem, you wouldn't say that. If it were just, you know, Jay-Z or Dre, yeah. you wouldn't. But all of them together, because they were that, uh, that genre of music in the late 90s into the 2000s. I mean, they those artists all were there. It was like a, a super group. Right. Uh, of them doing their thing. So that's good. But I mean, like all these other acts, it's just, you know, the Michael Jackson, when I take that back, that's memorable because that was the year that everybody had the cards in the stands. 
You know, so it wasn't necessarily Michael Jackson did anything, but it was the crowd. And I think Pepsi was the sponsor and they had the heart and they did the, the heart thing in the stands. And it was kind of new, I okay. guess, you know, for the for the audience. So that mm-hmm. was kind of cool. You know, it's it's sad, but like the memorable moments now are just the things that people hated about the Super Bowl. You know, like Beyonce was like, oh, she's wearing a militant, you know, outfit. It's, you know, even though I think she was supposed to like honor Michael Jackson or something like that. Oh, it's like a Black Lives Matter thing or, you know, oh, uh, you know, uh, was it Jennifer Lopez grabbing her crotch? It's, you know, everything is like just people bitching about things. That's all you remember anymore. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's why that's, you know, and, and I, I'll be the first to admit, you know, it's kind of hypocritical because years past I've been very opinionated about the Super Bowl. You know, it's kind of my job, but a little embellished, a little over the top, a little radio, you know, and a little serious. But, you know, I, I've, kind of, I've kind of realized it's like it is it, it's like when you go to a festival, you're not going to like every band, but you're going to enjoy the festival. So yeah. you don't walk away going. Man, that festival was awesome, but bands A, B, D, E, and Q sucked. It just sucked. <laughs> you don't do that. You walk away and say, man, I had a really good time today, a really good time. And then you point out the highlights, right? You point out and be like, man, bands C, Q, Y, and, and, and R were just badass, man. I've seen them before, but, God, they always put on a really good show. Right? That's what you do. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so I think it's the same mindset for the Super Bowl halftime show. You just kind of chalk it up as like, it's the Super Bowl. You were a part of it, whether you're there or you watch it on TV. You're a part of history, and you know, halftime show was what yeah. it was. So when people tell me they don't like it, I would say, "Well, you should ask for your money back." Right. Has Miley Cyrus done the halftime show? She did, right? I don't think so. It's usually older. I mean, not older artists, but it's usually not young artists, right? Well, I guess Katy Perry was kind of young. Uh, Umar and Five's fairly young, you know. Kind of. I mean, they've been around for 20 plus years. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, they're not, they're not like the who or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I just mean, it's not like they're not putting out like a brand new hot now band. Typically, it's well, usually. I, I, hate to, I, hate to t- I hate to tell you this, but I think Miley's been around for probably about 20 years, too. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> since she started so young. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she was, you know, Hannah Montana in the Disney days. Anyway, I bring that up because yeah, I. Th- it says that she did. I thought she did. Mm-hmm. Okay, so she, I was going to say. Miley Cyrus would be a good artist to have. Yeah, I don't remember her her performance, so I, I don't I don't know well, which Super Bowl LV fifty five. Okay, <laughs> so that was only two years ago. I don't think I think she, maybe she just did like a concert at this. You know, when they do all the concerts the week of, I don't think she was like performing during the halftime. Yeah, I, I don't know, but she, I think she would be a good artist for the halftime show because she's a good artist to collaborate with. And the band everybody wants to see for years is Metallica and they won't book Metallica and, and they should, you know, like Metallica is not just a heavy metal rock band, but an iconic heavy metal rock band, but they're mainstream. Like they brought that music into the mainstream world. And I think most people know. I mean, even the kids wear Metallica shirts because it's cool. Now they can figure out why they wear the shirts. And they're like, oh, that's a shirt I bought at JCPenney. It makes a lot of sense now. But Miley Cyrus and Metallica together is really cool. Like when, when she sings Nothing Else Matters or something like that, it, it's, it's, it's a cool sound. And, and her vo- yeah. I like her voice. And, and she's, a, she's a rocker. Miley Cyrus is a rocker at heart. Like when she dresses like a rock star, she's smoking hot. Um, that would be cool, you know, to, to have mm-hmm. either, 
you know, I think you would have to have Miley Cyrus as the performer and Metallica joins her. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Not, not yeah, wait, hold on, before the Metallica fans get, uh, yes, I agree. Metallica's bigger than Miley Cyrus. I agree. But if you want the pop, you have to have the big, like you have to have the bigger band come out and not just do yeah. one song. I think you do a couple songs with them. Yeah, I think Miley reaches more genres. Like, yeah, obviously Metallica is huge, but they they have a specific kind of audience. And yeah, Miley could do kind of everybody, and then they'd come in to to collab. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. I agree with that because Metallica was never a top forty radio band, but they were an MTV band when mm -hmm. One came out um, and her Sandman. That's when the world got a, a mainstream dose of heavy metal. They're like, what the shit is this? This is awesome, you know? So I think that would be a cool halftime show. So you get your Metallica, you get your Miley, and Miley can collaborate with other people. So, you know, like if you were to have a couple different stages, so Metallica's already set up, but it's closed off. You don't know who's behind it, but you know there's going to be a special guest. You know there's going to be a couple of them. And, you know, Miley starts doing her thing, and she's singing flowers and wrecking balls and party in the usa and da, 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 all the bubblegum stuff yeah. and then you hear place would go nuts you know the start of one or nothing or whatever you pick your poison for metallica just the start of the song master of puppets holy shit ride the lightning then the play it would go berserk she goes over to that stage does a quick outfit change somehow right she's all in rock sexy Rock your face, melt your face. Da, 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 they do a couple songs, you know, because Rihanna did what twelve songs? She did a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, songs. I think it. Yeah, it was twelve or thirteen, and the the show was about thirteen minutes and twenty seconds. Yeah, she. So she just starts spitting them out, you know. Um, yeah. it, like a lot of the the prop bets were over under for nine and a half. I was like, God, that's a lot of songs. Boy, was I wrong. And then she, you know, Miley, goes to the other stage. And then I don't know who else she's ever collaborated with. So on this, it's, it was a tailgate that she did, not the actual show. I, she joined forces with Joan Jett and Billy Idol. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's great mm -hmm. with all those people. But I think on the other stage, you go and you have, you know, uh, a country, you know, country or something. And then she comes back to finish out on the main stage. And it's, it's a rapper, you know, that joins her. Yeah. She could do all of that. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's like they need to put me in charge of this stuff. They should. And, and have Miley Cyrus as the headliner. But it says Miley. I mean, it tells you up front, Miley Cyrus and special guests. You just got to put that out there instead of people guessing, because now they don't believe that there's going to be a special guest. I knew there wasn't going to be one this year because there hasn't been one in forever and ever. You know? Yeah. Why do why do we all want special guests? Uh, that's what it, it, I'm it's, curious. It, because it. You need it. The excitement factor but of who's coming. It's who's just coming. funny, like, if, let's let's say, Rihanna was with, I don't know, let's just say Jordan Sparks. Uh, if we knew ahead of time, we'd be like, oh, okay, cool. But then why, if we didn't know, and she, oh, my God, Jordan Sparks is there. Like, I mean, okay. <laughs> like, it, it just it's seems. The, it's the anticipation. It's like a run-in in a wrestling match, right? Or the guy that was in a different promotion shows up. Like, oh, my God, it's just, it's how we tick. It's the excitement. But for the Super Bowl, when you have all kinds of people watching this football game and they're watching the halftime show, you cannot have 
an artist that just caters to one genre. I don't care what genre that is, whether it's rock, whether it's rap, classic rock, it could be jazz, you know, very few artists you can have that will will be able to 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 do Transcend that. All the, uh, Michael Jackson would be one. Prince was another. Um, I can't think of anyone outside of those two. It's 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 just Beyonce no, Rihanna no, Maroon Five no, Chili Peppers definitely no. Um, the there is not, I can't think of a band that's performed at the Super Bowl that didn't need help, and it, without you know except Michael Jackson and Prince, the, just because their 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 style of music just spans over uh, spans over genres. Yeah. Everybody likes them, and and there's not but, an there's not an artist today that I mean, look, I was just saying you need Miley Cyrus to headline and Metallica to join her. I mean, Metallica is arguably one of the biggest, if not the biggest, rock bands ever, and I'm saying that they're the secondary band to Miley Cyrus at the Super Bowl. Are you kidding me? Metallica fans right now are screaming at me through the radio, but in a business sense, as far as a pop sense. That would make the most sense because you don't want Metallica, these five, you know, four, four old guys up on stage being joined by different people and there's no movement. You need movement. You need, you do need the dance factor. Metallica's not going to have dancers, you know, and you can't have just Metallica as much as us Metallica fans would love that. That goes against everything I'm saying right now. It doesn't work. You need the pop. You need, it's a show. It's entertainment. And that's what you do. You super serve everyone in that, in, in, in that world. Well, and I like people, I, what was it? Oh, one of my parents' friends, his, their, their friend was posting on like, oh, horrible show. And then some guy commented on it and he's like, don't these people know who has the money? This isn't aimed at 40 or 50 plus people. And blah, just going on about that. And, and to back what, what you said, have previously said, Jason, is it's not about that. It's about bringing in an audience that doesn't watch the football game. And these right. shows for the last 10 years are those audiences. They're pop stars, they're newer, you know, newish kind of uh, artists. And it's not going to maybe go across the whole genre, or the whole audience, uh, uh, music taste, but it's going to go for the people that don't like football or that probably wouldn't have watched the game if it wasn't for the halftime show. But you do have to serve, you do have to super serve your, your, your P one, your core audience. But the, like the, Which maybe I, let's I say the older, be. the older football fans, they're going to watch it regardless. So they're not trying to draw them in. Just like, I, I think the, st the statistics came out that more people watch the halftime show with Rihanna than the actual football game. Yeah. And that's because there were people that were already watching the football game. And then there were people that just tuned in just for Rihanna. So they gained another, I think it was 5 million viewers just from having Rihanna there um, without the, you know, without it, it would have just been the football game. And it's, they, I think they had 113 million and it was 118 with Rihanna. And I'm telling you, you'd get more people if you do it my way. <laughs> oh, with, yeah, I mean, no, 100% with, with Miley. Yeah, I, I definitely think everybody well, no, would love no, no, that. No. Not well, just Miley. Miley, Metallica, country yeah. artist. I mean, imagine putting Chris Stapleton up. Chris Stapleton. Chris Stapleton up there or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a totally different world. Anyway. All right. Um, so that's your Mexico moment. Good stuff. Uh, we'll talk to our guest here uh, momentarily. Your bonus content for you premium two percenters. Uh, I got to say, I, I, I don't know if this is me getting older or what, but my daughter's high school has a tradition. 
and I can't believe it's still a tradition, and they allow the kids to do what they do, especially with some of the stuff that goes on in the news just recently. But it might just be because I'm the old crotchety get-off-my-lawn guy. I don't know, so I'll bring that up. Uh, And it also made me cuss out two kids I didn't even know. What? Because of their tradition. You cussed out? I cussed. I said, said, the fuck you will. Whoa. Laid the hammer down is what I did. Podcastthebs.com. If you want uh, access to the bonus content, it'll be a premium two percenter. So you got to subscribe all of our socials up there. Please like and subscribe to that stuff. That's free. And uh, our merch store and our top three episodes, which we release on Tuesday, all those playlists are available on podcastthebs.com. All right, let's talk to our guest. Hold up. Wait a minute. Let's hear from our sponsors. Winter is here, and we know what that means. Rodents are looking for a nice, comfy place to call their home. Nothing better than a nice, warm attic or crawl space, possibly yours. Do you know that rodents can cause thousands of dollars in repairs or even worse? Squirrels are the number one issue with house fires in the attic due to them constantly chewing on the wires, not to mention the diseases that they carry. Well, not on Inspect All Pest Services Watch. They do full or partial exclusions to help get rid and prevent rodents from invading your home. Whether it's squirrels, rats, opossums, or bats, they got you covered. Fully licensed and insured, Inspect All Pest Services is a company you can trust to take care of all your rodent needs inspectallservices.com make sure you mention the bs and receive 10 percent off your exclusion work year-round exclusions one year of rodent trapping included with annual renewal rodent letters trap set and attics and crawl spaces free inspections inspectallpestservices.com taxes that's as real as real can get right you can't fake it they're here they come every year right now they're here they're right in your face you're going who's going to do my taxes last year that guy in the strip shopping plaza you know just didn't cut it never got that check that i was supposed to get well i'm going to send you to the best in the business that's alliance tax solutions and you do that by going to their website www.keepmy.money keep my money. They want you to keep your money. We're talking tax resolution, tax planning, tax preparation, bookkeeping. If you're a small business like me, having somebody keep your books, that is way cool, right? Keep my dot money, Alliance Tax Solutions. Uh, Georgia base, face-to-face tax resolution firm, 25 years combined experience and have resolved millions of back tax debt for their clients. That could be you. You got issues. Don't try to do it yourself. Trust me. You don't want to do it yourself. You want to go to pros like Alliance Tax Solutions. Keep my dot money. Fellas, feeling lethargic, just kind of, right? Confidence isn't where it used to be. Well, that's probably because you have low testosterone. Testosterone maintenance is huge. Many guys, especially over the age of 40, are doing it right? Including yours truly. Go to Nuberty's Men's Wellness League in Sandy Springs. You hear Diane Spiva, the nurse practitioner on the podcast all the time. It has been a game changer for me and many other two percenters that have taken advantage of the offer that they give to us. $149 for the combine. What that does is you got to shave out about an hour and a half of your time, but you go in there, they draw your blood, and it's the first part of your journey to becoming a better and totally different, more positive person. Menswellnessleague.com. I'm going to tell you this, though. They do everything. Testosterone maintenance, medical weight loss, PRP therapy for your hair. They'll do it all for you, right? 
but they're not going to put the work in. You've got to put the work in. No excuses. Menswellnessleague.com. Schedule that call today and take advantage of the deal. All right, full disclosure, yes, Rachel Guy, Rachel the realtor guy is my wife. On top of that, she's one of the best realtors in Atlanta. Uh, she's, well, not just Atlanta, in the whole state of Georgia. I see her all the time driving all over the place for a lot of you two percenters, which I'm totally cool with because she's finding you, some of you, your first house, some of you, your second house, whatever it may be. Everybody's happy when they use my wife to find a house. She's a realtor with Coldwell Banker, so if you're looking to buy or sell, just give her a buzz. Her name is Rachel Guy, and she's your guy. See what we did there? 404-797-4600. That's her private number. Don't get weird on her. Don't get weird on me. 404-797-4600. You want stress-free buying and selling in a really crazy market. So get a hold of her also by email. I am Rachel Guy at gmail.com. And back to you, Jason. <laughs> So I saw the trailer for this movie, which we'll talk to the star of the movie here in just a second. The Integrity of Joseph Chambers, which is available everywhere right now on video on demand. Um, huge premiere at the Tribeca Film Festival. Standing ovation. Everybody loved it. And I don't know what to think about it. It's kind of like the Cabin movies. I can't, I don't, you know, the Cabin movie, I don't know what to think about it. I didn't, I didn't love it. I didn't hate it. But it made me feel a certain way. And I see Klain's movie, The Integrity of Joseph Chambers, at least just the trailer. And I know it's going to be great. The acting is not easy because he's like pretty much solo, even though he's got a great cast around him. But it makes you just the trailer, Klain Crawford, um, makes you feel uncomfortable. I'm assuming, Klain, that's what it was supposed to do, right? Yeah, right. I think tension and dread is what kind of pulls us in as an audience, doesn't it? I guess, but I mean, this, this, so let's set it up for everybody. You know, let me read the synopsis of this. He's a family man hoping to prove his survivalist capabilities and manliness to his family. Sound like somebody familiar mm -hmm. decides to irresponsibly head off into the woods and go deer hunting by himself because that's a great idea. Um, but claim through this process, I don't know what happens to you in the woods, but it looks like when you're sitting in the, uh, the sheriff's office played by Jeffrey Dean Morgan, it, it didn't turn out well for you when you went deer hunting. Look, you know, you've got to, right. He's, um, he's someone who was born and raised in, in a small city, urban environment. Um, and he's quite concerned with the trajectory of this country. And he decides him and his wife move to a small town where she's from. And quickly he realizes that what defines a man where he's from is a little different in this small town. Um, so I think it initially starts from possibly an ego standpoint of kind of wanting to belong um, and wanting to be accepted. So he wants to be able to hunt uh, and kind of be more self-reliant. Um, but clearly zero skill set, doesn't understand <laughs> weapons, has never had any training whatsoever. So his wife, you know, we open the story with his wife trying to talk him out of this and he's, you know, he shaved him a mustache out of his beard and he's got on this outfit that he's gone and bought, you know, and he looks like he's on the cover of J crew magazine, but he feels like he's Robert De Niro and deer hunter. Right. <laughs> um, so there's quite a bit of humor, but you begin to kind of think that this guy is maybe put himself in a situation where there's a 
maybe a creature or um, he's in danger. Okay. And then as the story unfolds, you realize that he's the monster. Right. But the mustache is way cool. Hey, can we see your video? Can you can you turn on your camera? I just want because I think you on. No, because I I think you I, I think at the beginning of this conversation your mustache was there and and I, I don't think you've shaven it since the since the film. I keep trying to hit. You know, I'm on this thing that uh, was sent and it's saying I'm trying to hit the camera, but it doesn't seem to allow me. Because I can see myself, but you're saying you can't see me. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, there should be a little video button at the bottom with a drop-down arrow, and you can just pick whatever camera you're using on, on your computer. Um, or it says start video, one of the two. But this mustache. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you guys have seen the trailer, but this mustache. I saw the trailer. Oh. <laughs> yeah, sorry, guys. I'm trying. I keep hitting the video, and I see uh, what looks like your partner, this good-looking guy in a tank top. And then uh, I, I, he keeps disappearing. Yeah, thumbs up. And when I hit that camera, he just keeps disappearing. Oh, no. And coming. So let me go to camera settings here. Let's see if we can. Camera, Let's see if uh, camera A, camera B, camera. I'll, I'll keep talking camera. while I'm trying to figure out. There, there we go. There we go. Oh, so you did shave the mustache. You don't have the big furry kind of handlebar thing that you have in the integrity of Joseph Chambers. I'd like to keep my wife engaged in, <laughs> in certain activities, and the mustache is somewhat of a repellent. Dude, that was a, that's a strong mustache game. Like you know, there there are actors that do films. And people forget about the films, but don't forget about the stuff like the mustache. This I'm not saying that people are going to forget about this film, but people will always remember that mustache and the little, you know, kind of uh, jingle that you did in the woods, which is way cool. <laughs> yeah, look, I enjoy wearing the mustache because I'm a Selleck fan. You know, <laughs> I grew up with the brawny paper towels, and that's what my mom thought was sexy. You know, my dad had a mustache and drove a Camaro, so you know, uh, I, I definitely like sporting it for the film. But I, I he he actually lives in an, uh, an apartment above the garage and does his own thing. So I only bring him out for certain projects. <laughs> How difficult? Because you're a Southerner, right? So you're you live you're from Alabama, and I'm I'm sure that you got some survivalist skills in you, and you've been out in the woods a few times with a rifle. How how difficult was it to play a guy that knew nothing about what you probably know everything about? That was part of the excitement of it. You know, I've played characters that are quite sophisticated when it comes to firearms, um, and and definitely growing up in a very small town. Outside of Birmingham, you know, I was given a rifle at 12, you know, for my birthday. And um, but with that came a lot of respect and a lot of appreciation and talent and uh, lessons um, as it relates to kind of firearm safety and so forth. So to take all of that knowledge and push it to the side uh, was super exciting uh, to play this guy who just had zero understanding of what it was he was doing. Um, and, and it was quite vulnerable. Uh, I, I told I was telling someone earlier today that. There's a scene in the film where I'm trying to go up a deer stand and my character has this rifle and it keeps going by his head as he's trying to climb up. My father cannot watch that scene sitting down. I don't. He's seen the movie four or five times. His ass is walking around the room or the theater every time because it just makes him absolutely nervous. <laughs> and you in the movie uh, again, I'm just going based off of the trailer because I've not yet seen the movie, but you borrow the rifle from the actor played by what Carl Kennedy, right? And there's this scene 
you know, when you're using the rifle, it, 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 it says a million words in just a, a, set, a second of the film where, you know, you wave the gun in front of them, which any of us responsible firearm owners know you don't do that. You know, you always know where the barrel is pointed. I tried to think of those moments, right, that got me whacked in the back of the head at 12 years old uh, and pointing the weapon, the barrel at anyone was one of those, right, finger on the trigger. And then I tried to incorporate all of those things, you know, like there's a scene where this guy's swinging this 30-06 around, knocking down weeds as he's walking through a path. Um, so, again, it was quite fun to to go back to that 12 year old self and being in the woods without any training whatsoever and terrifying, you know, from an audience perspective. Does it register at all? You know, what just happened um, with, uh, with Baldwin on the, on the set of rust, I believe the movie's called in the sad situation where there was a live uh, ammunition in the gun and, and it, and it shoots one of the, the people on the set and kills them. And you, a lot of the stuff that you've done, whether it's Lethal Weapon, the television series or whatnot, you're using firearms. When you see a story like that, does it does it kind of worry you a little bit? You want to double check the firearm just to make sure? Or do you have 100% faith in the people that are behind the scenes? I can't really wrap my head around what happened. To be honest with you, I've worked a majority of the projects I've shot have had firearms in them, and usually I'm holding one, uh, either as the bad guy or the good guy. Um, and in my experience, there's a, a, a protocol, and there's a chain, and that chain starts from the armor, and that's, you know, uh, male or female, who is usually has a military background. Um, they are bringing that weapon, and I can hear it coming down the line, and they bring that weapon to the art department, and the art department and props look at the weapon, and they go through a check, and you hear, weapon cleared. It then gets to the ADs. They go through the weapon. They check the barrel. They check everything. Weapon cleared. By the time it gets to me, I've heard weapon cleared four or five times coming down the line. I was taught never hand an open knife to someone. There's a specific way to hand a weapon to someone, and you never point a weapon at anyone unless you have a clear understanding of what that firearm is capable of. Mm. Um, so then I always, as an, as in an effort to maintain that chain, I check the weapon as well. And then I yell out weapon clear so that whoever I'm pointing this weapon at has a clear understanding. And usually I share that knowledge with them as it relates to letting them see the weapon as the firearm as well. Um, so I don't know how, I think there's a lot we don't know from that set. Mm. I think there was a, if from my understanding, a lot of people had quit that morning. It seems like the wheels were kind of falling off mm. and it was rushed. And that protocol that has to be in place so that everyone's safe was discarded. Now I can't speak because certainly I wasn't there. Um, but on my films, I maintain that process that I've learned every time I'm on a job and I require that. And that's because I just certainly would never want to hurt anyone. Mm. Um, and it's just instilled in me. So to go back to your question, I don't know how that accident happened the way that it did. Um, because on my, in my experience, there is certain steps in place to prevent those types of horrible action. I can only think of one other time, at least to, to my memory that's happened. That was Brandon Lee on the set of the crow. Um, which, 
and that was a and that was a blank you know because blanks can also be very dangerous as we all know there's wadding there's things in there that create that um uh, uh, the discharge that comes out the end of the barrel. And that was from that hitting the grocery sack that he was carrying. And I only know this information because I worked with a producer on a film who produced that film. And he, um, the wadding hit something in the, in the grocery sack, which then that projectile went into his abdomen. Um, so that was again, something that was almost like a fluke, you know, these types of things just, they just don't happen. So there was something very wrong on that set. And I would imagine over the, the course of the next year and a half, we're going to, we're going to learn what that was. Wasn't there, there's conspiracy around the, the Brandon Lee stuff with like the Japanese mob or something like that, that there was a hit and I don't know, I get sucked into those true crime <laughs> stories all the time. I got to stop watching. I mean, if you look at social media, there's a conspiracy <laughs> around everything. Isn't everything. There? everything. Uh, let's talk about your wife in the movie, Jordana Brewster, who is awesome. Uh, and it's crazy because, you know, you have such a great cast outside of you Clayne, with Jordana and Jeffrey Dean, uh, but it's solely on you. Like most of the movie from what I understand, but Jordana Brewster, like when you go on the set and you know, you're working with someone like that or Jeffrey Dean Morgan, do you kind of mark out a little bit and ask them about, you know, fast and furious and walking dead and you know like hey can you, i got some questions about some of the stuff you've done i'm a fan or is it i'm clean you know, I, I was fortunate enough to get to work with jordana on lethal and uh we just became good buddies because you know it was just her and i and the she was my therapist right so it was just her and i trapped in an office every time we had a scene together outside of a couple little moments that were created with the writers um but you know, and then I worked with Jeff's wife, also on Lethal Weapon, uh, Hillary Burton. And when she was on set, we just were able to kind of, we bonded and, and her and our, our families just kind of uh, got along really well. And and we just kind of nurtured those relationships again from a friend standpoint. So when this opportunity, well, I say opportunity, you know, we all just got bored during COVID and I was tired of day drinking and watching Netflix. So I was like, look, let's go make a movie, you know, and, and it's not, you know, nowadays you can pretty much, you can shoot a movie on your iPhone. Not that we did this one, but technology had certainly gotten us to a place where it's not as daunting as it once was, as it relates to these sophisticated cameras, which take five or six men to operate or women to operate. Um, and yeah, I just called these guys up and I said, Hey, who wants to come to Birmingham for a couple of days? Uh, and uh, I was fortunate enough that those guys said yes. And Michael Raymond James also came down to play. Yeah. And as it relates to me on camera a lot, you know, I'm working for free. So you stick the guy who's working for free in camera the majority of the time. because You can afford that guy, right? <laughs> and you worked with, uh, with Michael too on, on Lethal as well, right? Yeah, but Mikey and I, we've known each other for 10 years, 14 years. You know, we did an episode of Cold Case together years ago. We were both like guest stars on uh, some cbs uh thing procedural <laughs> yeah but uh we became great buddies and he's just you know uh as he says you know my brother from a broken rubber <laughs> i've never heard of that that's great uh, were you nervous taking the the rigs gig with lethal weapon because it was such an iconic franchise and of course you're going to be compared to mel gibson and 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 a lot of times these television shows based off of a popular movie and a franchise don't always work because people have an expectation of that did that kind of weigh on you when you took it or did you just take it like this is a gig i'm an actress this is what i do no i didn't take it as a gig man they called me 
I, I was shooting, I was preparing to finish my last season of Rectify, um, which you got to think, man, I, I live on a small farm uh, here in just outside of Birmingham, Alabama. And um, I'd been shooting Rectify in Atlanta, which is a two hour drive from my gate. So it was just this peaceful, rewarding uh, experience. And I, for the first time in my life, I was financially in a good place, you know, as an actor and, and I felt creatively in a good place. So when my guys called me about lethal weapon, when I heard the words lethal weapon, I hung up only because I was like, get real. Like who, how have we not, I couldn't wrap my mind around wanting to make a TV show on Fox about this incredible franchise that Mel Gibson and Danny Glover and Donner had created. Um, And then they just kept calling and calling and, and then they dangled a, you know, the golden carrot in front of me. And uh, I was like, uh, that's a lot of money, you know? And my wife's like, "Mm, the chances of it getting canceled are pretty good. I was like, yeah, you know, so maybe it won't go. Um, And I took that fear of kind of filling these, these incredible shoes. Um, and I just left it all on the field. I was like, look, everyone's going to hate me. Everyone's going to hate this. So I'm just going to pour my heart into it as much as possible. And I'm going to try to approach rigs from a combination of like Andy Griffith meets Bugs Bunny Yeah, and, and just see what happens, you know? And, um, we got lucky that people kind of responded to the character and they responded to the show in a fairly positive way. And for me, it was, it became a dream come true. This job that I thought I was going to hate because of the character and fearful of it more or less just became extremely rewarding and fulfilling. And, um, it was a shame that we couldn't get everyone on board, uh, trying to make the best show possible. Yeah, that's the politically correct. Now, this is coming from a guy that was just fired a year ago. So, dude, I've been in radio for 30 years, and I know the feeling. And it's funny for people from the outside, they look at a guy that, you know, gets fired from a set or a movie or whatever that happens, and like, you're a horrible person. Everybody gets fired, you know, it's just, and everybody wants to know the story. So, you kind of politically correct said that just not everybody was on the same page, which is why you had to walk away. Forceful. Look, I was trying to, uh, make some delicate beautiful frank and they just wanted to pump out hot dogs yeah you know it's the it's it's just a conflict of interest it's the creative people that always get beat up isn't it (laughs) look i got spoiled man i was working on rectify which you know was like the independent movie tv show sundance produced it they let us really they just gave so much creative freedom to everyone there and we all approached it with such integrity Mm. Right. And, um, and it just, it spoiled me. And then I got thrown into the network factory and I was realizing, Oh, this is just about, you know, selling laundry detergent and, uh, mm. Super Bowl ads. This is not necessarily about creating incredible content. And for me, I just, heck, you know, it was the first time my face was on the side of a bus in LA or on a building in LA. And I just thought, Holy crap, what a responsibility. And I didn't want Mel Gibson to hate me so i was like we've got to work really hard and everybody else like nah people are washing dishes and eating dinner during our show nobody cares it's tuesday night and i was like what the fuck (laughs) let let me let me guess the guy you had heat with knows nothing about the business or the character or the creative and you in your mind were like look i am passionate and i care and i want to help but this guy's not getting it, and you ended up being the bad guy, at least in pay, on the uh, on paper. 
look, here's the thing, you know, it's like being in prison, you know, I might not have been guilty of the crime, but I'm never innocent. You know, I'm sure I, I had a lot of attitude and I was, I definitely was nervous about screwing this thing up, but yeah, you know, I'm playing a guy who there was a lot of military undertones with this guy. And I come from a military background with my, my family and my grandparents and uh, they all served. And there was just this responsibility to handle PTSD and the way that I operated firearms, like it had to be accurate. Mm -hmm. And, and, um, everyone didn't share that enthusiasm or the patience that went into making sure that we got it right. right. Um, so look, you know, a lot of lessons learned and, 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 and it's, it was a beautiful experience because it, I did get to play the character the way that I wanted. I had two great seasons. He was able to end the way that I would have wanted Riggs to go, which I think is to go be with his wife. I thought that was very poetic and, and doesn't necessarily happen on network television. And then it was able to springboard me from a confidence standpoint into making these films on my own, you know, over these last four years. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's reignited that spark that drove me mm -hmm. to Los Angeles when I was 19, 18 years old, you know, the thing that, that allowed me to have the confidence to leave my family, my parents and everything that I knew that's back. And, uh, and that's exciting. And, and now I kind of have more of a clear vision of what I want for my career, which I don't know if I had that before. I was just trying to survive. That's yeah. That's That's crazy. They killed Riggs off. I remember when that show, when lethal weapon first hit Fox, there was so much promotion for it. Like, it, I mean, they went all in on that show. I was like, wow, this show's getting a lot of promo. Uh, which is great, you know. How did you break it to your wife when when you got fired from the show? Did you call her? Did you just come home and say, "Hey, I, I, I'm going to go in a different direction"? <laughs> What'd you say? Here's the thing: we found out the same way everyone else found out. Oh, really? Yeah, Warner Brothers is notorious for they don't want to uh, tackle difficult conversations. Uh, they just make decisions and then put it in the press. So we had no idea um, <laughs> that, that anything was wrong. I mean, it was wild where I started seeing stuff in the press and I'm calling and going, is there a problem? I mean, I know there's a problem. But I'm not the problem. You're not really getting rid of me, right? We're going to bring Steve Harvey in, and he's going to be Murtaugh. Like, this is not – and nobody's answering the calls. I was like, what the heck? And and literally, next thing I know, you know, American Pies rigs. And I was like, what? Oh, well, okay. That's right. Uh, Sean, Sean, they brought in Sean William Scott, right? Poor guy. Like, yeah. I, and I don't know, you know, I've now heard stories that he wasn't hundred percent clear on what his character and how this was all going to transpire. So I don't know, man, it was a mess. I'll say that. And it was, uh, it wasn't handled. I'll tell you this. My firing is how everything was handled up until that point, which gives you an indication of just lack of leadership and refusal just to get people in the room and find out what the problem is. You know, let's just communicate and let's see if we can problem solve so that we can all be successful and have the same goals in mind. And so common the, sense is not used a lot in Los Angeles. So the day I got fired, I came home and built this c company as small as it is and the podcast and the network and all that stuff. And I got straight to work uh, just because I'm a work guy. You know, I like to work. My initial idea was to take a road trip across the country. Um, the, that, di that didn't happen. It was put on hold so I could do this podcast. Uh, what did you do? Did you take some time off, reflect, were you depressed? Did you crawl up in a ball? Did you drink a lot? Did you get high? Or did you go right back to work? I was 
Okay. But oddly enough, we took a road trip cross country. <laughs> um, we, we stopped at every little site along the 40 um, <laughs> and just had a wonderful time with the kids. We did an RV, the whole deal. Yeah. Um, and I was definitely butthurt for sure. It was, you know, like your feelings are hurt. You feel like you poured your heart into something. So I I, but we had planned this huge vacation. I, I, you know, because no one in my family has ever made any kind of real money. So with us making it, there's this responsibility to make sure you kind of share it with everyone. So we'd rented this massive house out in Mexico on the beach and um, invited my entire wife's family and my family. And that was already scheduled, which came about about a month after the firing. So we all went down there for three weeks and just had the most incredible time. And then I came home. And that was around mid July, August. And I got on the phone and uh, I called up a guy who we'd been wanting to make a film together for a long time. And I took, you know, network pays really well. So we took a lot of that money and we went and made the killing of two lovers. Um, and then I took that film to Sundance in 2020. And um, like you, you know, look, I live on a farm and I live on this farm because I love hard work. Uh, I love to get up every day. I love to f feel that I have value. So you're actually farming? Am I actually farming? Uh-huh. Yes, ma'am. I, I, I raise wow. cattle, goats, chickens. We grow our own food. I have bees. We harvest the honey ourselves. So during the summer, my table is 100% only food that comes off of my land. Wow. And there's a great pride that comes in that. And it's And I'm hoping it's teaching my children uh, a certain amount of respect and value for the, a lot of the things that we take for granted and, and, and some of the things that they didn't even, they weren't aware of. Right. So, um, I, I, I gain great joy from going out with a chainsaw and cleaning up that tree and having a, a pile of wood stacked up in my barn. It just fulfills me in a way that I can't really describe. So, when I go to do an acting job, I take that same mentality with me. And I just, I take a lot of, I, I, there's a lot of joy from doing it right. Um, and, and you don't get that on all sets. Yeah. Well, any, any advice uh, on that trip across country on 40 places to stop? Because literally I am getting ready to take that road trip. We're going to go from Atlanta to Vegas to LA uh, and there's a, a website called roadtrippers.com. And so I put all these waypoints of, you know, we're going to go hit Graceland. We're going to hit the hot Springs park in Arkansas, the Billy, the kid museum and Fort Sumner and, and, and all these different places. You got any, somebody's telling me to go to some steakhouse in Amarillo. Any suggestions? I would say there is a cave that you can rent in Arkansas. That is unbelievable. Um, I, my wife would be, maybe Clarksville. Uh, it was unbelievable. So there's a cave that you can rent. There's also like a tree house, uh, rental forest where there's all these tree houses that you can kind of rent these little rooms. It almost looks like the Ewok forest. Oh, cool. Um, you got to do the meteor. My kids love that. Um, and then that village in Arizona, which is uh, those native Americans have built up into the hillside. I mean, look, America's incredible. You know, we spend so much of our time wanting to explore Europe, which I, I absolutely love, but this country has some really incredible sites to offer. And, and I, my kids just adore being in an RV and kind of seeing all that, all that stuff. You, and you had your kids, both your kids in the integrity of Joseph chambers. Is this their acting debut? You know, I did. Uh, that's right. Both kids are in the film. My, my, my middle boy, he was in a film that we did called tinker. Um, 
years ago is a little movie that I shot with my friends here on my farm that we sold to Netflix. Uh, but my youngest Hicks, this is his first film. And, um, he, he got bit by the bug. The other kids, they were like, Oh, this sucks. You got to sit around and wait all day. You got to do the same thing a hundred times. Like what the hell is like, I'm, I'm never doing this again. Like my daughter literally became an accountant. Like that was her, her rebelling against artistry. She's like, no way I'm doing a nine to five. And, uh, but my youngest, he gets on set and I can tell he just absolutely eats it up. Yeah. He, he, he loves performing. So maybe one out of the group. That's pretty cool though. We were able to do a film that you take pride in. That's great. And you know, you can, like, I always see like the Apatow kids, you know, from back in the day, like this is 40 and stuff, which I'm a big Judd Apatow fan. And you know, they're in movies with their mother, Leslie Mann, and, 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 and now they're grown up it's like, God, you know, like you watch them grow up, but you, it's not like a Ron Howard watch grow up. It's like a almost overnight grow up, but that must be a really cool feeling to be a celebrity, to be an actor like you are. And now like in 10 years, look back and go, you did do this. This was cool. Even if they're not in acting 10 years later. Well, that's what we were saying at the beginning, you know, this stuff lives forever now with the streamers and, and I, I, I think it's it's almost like a scrapbook for us, you know, to kind of go back, especially for me watching these films. Sometimes I just I forget about that time in my life. And by just watching the films, like looking at an old photograph where it brings back all these memories. And um, it, it, it's certainly exciting for the kids and, um, and 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 making this film specifically the integrity of Joseph Chambers, shooting it all in Alabama and utilizing my family's cars and family's homes for locations and everyone was kind of cooking for the crew it was it was such a communal experience um there i don't know if i've done a job that's been this rewarding um just from the production aspect was there a gig that you uh, auditioned for and wanted to get like so bad you lost sleep and you didn't get it so many Really? One in particular. Oh, Can you think of one that just still weighs on you? One that just weighs on me that I wanted. No, I don't think there's one that I, I you know, that you do so many of these things. You audition for, or at least back in the day, you know, sometimes 200 times a year and you hear no 198 times. Mm. So it just, you become so numb to the rejection. Um, it's such a humbling experience that you stop hanging on to it. And then even when you make films, you kind of stop hanging on to the result of it. Right. Because you just have to live within the joy of either making the film or is what I've finally learned in, in my older age is just even the joy of reading the material and having an, an opportunity to audition for something. Um, because otherwise it's just heartbreaking, but I can't think of what I would yeah, sorry, I'm not able to reflect on a job that I that I missed, but there's so many great films out there that I can watch. You know, you watch a film like Good Will Hunting or um, Zero Dark Thirty, and you're like, oh, man, that would have been a good one to be a part of. Well, yeah, you've got, I mean, you're like the auxiliary player. Like, you've got the look that can do really any genre of movie. You've got the, you know, you've got an attitude to you. you got a spice to you that it makes you stand out from the crowd. So you definitely, in my opinion at least, and I you know, I've only known you for about 30 minutes. You have that it factor that I would remember you if you were, you know, came into audition or in a film, but I'm sitting here as you're talking and I'm going, Oh, I could totally see him in that. I could totally see him in that. I could, that's why I asked the question because I'm like, these directors, these casting directors totally missed out on, on Clay Crawford. I got to tell you, you know, 
You're very, you and my mother uh, uh, say the same thing, and you're both very kind. Well, she's, you know, te- she's, texting. She's, a, she's texting me right now these things to say to you. Okay, well, I did. I was, I, I'd been looking at my phone. I'm like, are you, have you sent one message to Jason? Like, I don't know. He hasn't said anything really complimentary. Um, you know, look, I, I don't know, you know, because I'm a 20 year old. I didn't take acting classes. I, I'm my own worst enemy, okay? I, I never took classes. I always felt like it was best to figure it out on the go, like on the job training. So it's, I created a long road for myself. So I, I've just, I, I don't, until I did Lethal, honestly, Rectify was such a growing experience for me as an actor and learning really kind of being comfortable in my own skin mm. uh, because nervous is just super unattractive. And I was so nervous when I was auditioning when I was younger. Um, and to be offered lethal weapon, that was the, that was the first job I'd ever been straight offered. And the confidence that came from that, um, it'll let it, something shifted in me as a performer. When I went into that room, there was a confidence that I had not had, um, that really kind of transitioned me into the films that I'm doing now. So I kind of, I, I feel like that I'm just starting my career in a way and that the first 20 years was really more of an education. Yeah. Which is is really hard to believe. That makes sense. Uh, Nikki got a question for Clay. Yeah. So now you're in Alabama. You're living on a farm. But when you f- were first getting into acting, would you advise a young actor to live somewhere other than the L.A.s or Atlanta, where all the studios are? Can you live somewhere remote and still make it being an actor? I I I would say you don't have to live in L.A., but I do think you need to be near the hub um you know atlanta and i would say atlanta is clearly more more of hollywood than hollywood is Mm -hmm. and i I say that because i think there's something like 120 projects that are shooting right now in the state of georgia um you know you're talking about marvel is there uh the largest franchises are being shot in that state you know, but you don't have to go to LA anymore. And I, and and you don't have to be in New York any longer. Um, you can be more regional. Um, and I think you can also, but what's more exciting is that again, you can just make your own product. You know, nowadays you're not relying on someone giving you a job because of the technology and where film is, you can go make something. And if you make it well enough, people are going to buy it. I mean, I I did the killing of two lovers for $30,000 and then I sold that to neon and we were able to get a worldwide distribution deal. Um, So it's, it's obtainable and there's no longer gatekeepers. And I think there for a long time, you had to be in the system in Los Angeles specifically. And you kind of had to go through the hard knocks. Um, but, you know, Nikki, I guess to really answer your question, I guess if you can find representation in one of those cities, mm-hmm. nowadays you don't have to go into the room anymore. There's no auditioning, right? There's now you're auditioning at home and you're recording it on your telephone uh, and then you're submitting your read. So you no longer have to put yourself in financial strengths by living in one of the largest cities in the country in order to chase your dream. And I think that's super exciting. Oh, neat. Why are you thinking about being an actor? No, I just... Oh. Hearing him say that he You're lived moving? in Alabama on a farm, I'm like, could you do that, though, if you were just coming up in the business? Or do you still have to do that old school, be in the hustle and bustle of that? You want to buy the farm next to him? No, I don't want to live on the farm. <laughs> I don't think you'd work out out there. <laughs> I wouldn't. Uh, so. Nate, question for Clayton before you let him go. Yeah, Clayton, where was this film shot at? Because it kind of looks like North Georgia, maybe Alabama area, like the, at least the wooded scenes. 
You're exactly right. We shot it here in my little small town in Birmingham, Alabama. So we were actually in the town of uh, Aniana, um, and it's just extremely rural, uh, and it allowed us to have just big, big, large spaces to shoot in, like uh, uh, as it relates to the land. Um, and I just felt that that style of forest geographically was – help to play with the claustrophobicness sometimes of the situation and not, you know, and where I live, you can't see too far into the forest, you know, and, and, and as a result, it's always a little intimidating. And I felt like that's why the Blair Witch Project did so well is that we just didn't know what was out there. Um, and this film was initially written to be shot in Utah and it was just so wide open it, that that mystery threat wasn't there like it is here. Yeah, it's shot very kind. Of, I mean, not that POV, uh, first person point of view, like the Blair Witch. Those guys from Orlando, where you know Nate and I lived for a very long time. Um, remember when that came out? I actually believed it. I was like, "Oh, this is real." <laughs> I, like, I, I, I bought in it hook, line, and sinker. Um, so did I. Yeah. Uh, last question for you, Clayton. I want to remind everybody: the integrity of Joseph Chambers is out now, video on demand. Uh, just Google it, find it, watch it. Uh, like I said, the trailer looks amazing. And now that we're friends with Clay, like you want to watch everything he does because yes. he's such a cool dude. But I, I do have a very, very serious question for you. And I need you to pick one. What hurt worse? Getting fired from Lethal Weapon or Alabama not even making the playoffs? Alabama not making the playoffs with hands down. <laughs> Last night, losing to Tennessee hurt worse than getting fired. Are you kidding me? Like, we're finally, we have a basketball program with Coach Nate Oates. And I mean, you know, but the good thing is I woke up this morning and I wasn't an Auburn fan. You know, and that just really means something. You know, so all perspective. I had a feeling you would say that. I'm glad I got that answer. Clay, right. <laughs> thank you so much for your time, brother. You're a fantastic dude. I hope to talk to you again on another project that you do. Just please keep the name in mind and uh, okay the interview because you were just way cool. Uh, the integrity of Joseph Chambers. Please, everybody, go watch that again. Thanks for your time, brother. Talk soon. Thank you, guys. Have a wonderful day. Take care. Bye-bye. Get off my lawn. It's old man Kevin, and the BS is done for right now. Please share, like, and support. Podcastthebs.com. It's better than radio. Now, get out of here.